Blog Talk Radio. Reality Radio Entertainment presents Behind the Curtain with your host, Kathy Barrett. This is Kathy Barrett. Welcome to Behind the Curtain, a show about how we navigate down the not-so-yellow brick road of it. I am so delighted to have you tune in today. We have a wonderful guest, entrepreneur and philanthropist, Betty Steinhauer. She's on the program, and she'll be speaking about her biography, My Way. You can uh, find out more information and purchase her book by going to Amazon.com. She'll also be speaking about her recent trip to India and how her speaking engagements are really making a difference for women. Betty ran her own consulting business, Betty Steinhauer and Associates, for over 25 years. She also founded the People's Bridge Charitable Foundation, an organization that facilitates small-scale charitable projects around the world. And Betty's coming live to us today from Canada, so hello to all my Canadian listeners. And Betty, so welcome, and thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Well, first off, I have to say kudos to you for playing a big role in the organization of the Spirit of Humanity Forum that was held in Iceland uh, this year. And I just want to say it was in partnership with the city of Reykjavik, the Brahma Kumaras World Spiritual Foundation, Geran Hermes Foundation for Peace, Cultura de Paz, Education for Peace, and the World Servers Foundation. This was such a phenomenal forum, so uplifting to be in the company of such an amazing group of people that are so committed to creating positive change. So I really have to thank you. It was a wonderful experience for me, and I hope to see another one in the works soon. What's going on with that? Well, we started the planning process now, and as far as now, it looks as if it should be in April 2014. And we're looking at having approximately 150 invited guests, and this time around it was 100 invited guests. So everyone seemed to be so pleased at how well it went. And the connections that uh, happened I think were phenomenal. I mean, all of my guests have kept in touch with one another, which I think is lovely. So uh, we're all on the steering committee just very, very delighted with the outcome, and we see this as an ongoing process. Oh, that's I am so delighted to hear that. And it that. will be held in Iceland again. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. really exciting. Iceland yeah. is such an amazing place, isn't it? It's Yes, it's, it is. Really interesting. And, be, and, and also because they have this concept of believing in peace and no guns, no security, no whatever, that that makes it very important for the spirit of humanity to be there. So that's why we feel that Iceland may become its regular home, as we'd like to call it. Well, I think that's an excellent idea. And, uh, you know, just to tell the listeners, you know, I, I was amazed when, you know, as part of the, the forum one night, we went to the presidential palace. And like you say, there's no security. You're not going through metal detectors. Yeah. There's not armed officers, you know, uh, uh, police officer, uh, officers standing and, and, you know, looking at you or uh, security men, so on and so forth. We just all kind of waltzed up, walked throughout the house. It was such an amazing feeling yeah. of, of yeah. being free and in peace and never having to worry that, you know, something hor- horrible would happen. It was really, uh, it just, it rocked my world. 
Yeah, yeah, no. And that's why I think Iceland is very, very special. And they hope to maintain this forever. So if they can, they're extremely fortunate. But they work at it very hard. That's really great. And yeah. so anyway, so the last time you were here, you were writing your book. And yeah. I'll tell you, Betty, you move so fast. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I really admire that. And now you've just come back from spending several months in India. You've launched your book there. So first of all, congratulations. Thank you. And again, I'll repeat the title. It's My Way, and people can uh, get to, you know, buy a um, hardcover or uh, an e-book on Amazon.com. Right. So I know that this book was a labor of love for you. So share a little bit about your life story for the listeners and what the process of writing your memoirs was like okay. for you. Well, it all started about 15 years ago, and I just decided to sit down and write a letter to my father, who had passed away very quickly when I was 15. He died of a heart attack, letting him know that I was fine. I had had a very good life, and I had been pretty successful, but we had come from the other side of the track, so I wanted him to know this. And then... Someone, everyone kept saying to me, you know, gee, you're very, very lucky, Betty. Your life is just perfect. And I used to think to myself, no, my life has not been perfect. And so one of these days I have to let people know that. Uh, My life always hasn't been perfect because I was raped when I was 13. I lost my father when I was 15. Uh, My mother was a paranoid schizophrenic. So I looked after her and had to support the family, which was basically just me and my mother. I'm an only child until I was married and until she passed away. And and also I've lost a number of relationships in my life through deaths. I also lost a child that was born with very serious heart disease. So all of this has gone on in my life. And people, because of the type of personality I am and because they they want to see what they want to see, and I haven't gone into any of the rest of it. So at one point, the name of my book was going to be Life is Perfect, Hyphen the Perfect Life. But my publisher said no. He said, I want it called My Way because you have lived your life totally your way. And when a door closed, you thought another door would would open and you have just moved forward with your life and you haven't gotten stuck. And I think that's basically the message for the book is that don't get stuck in anything in your life. Find that other door and go through. And if you do do that, then hopefully, and in my case, other things and other good things have opened up for you. So with all of the bad things that have happened, and I've only named a few, mm-hmm. it has turned out in a very positive way in in many, many ways. Now, how did you do that being so young? I mean, you spoke about being raped at 13 and then losing, you know, your dad, who seems to be a big influence in your life at 15. Yeah. And then your mom had these, you know, kind of emotional difficulties going on. So mm-hmm. do you feel that this is something that this strength, this inner kind of ability to navigate through tough obstacles, was that something you came into the world with, you think, or or were you inspired by someone else around you? Well, I don't think I was really inspired, but I don't think you have much of a choice. I think you have two choices in life. You can sit in the corner. I know when my daughter was dying and she was in the hospital for about a year, people used to say to me, how can you continue with your life? And I said, because I have two year, a two-year-old at home, and my only other choice is to sit in the corner, and that wouldn't be too smart. So I think you have to make that choice whether to move forward or whether to sit in the corner and just moan and groan, and basically nothing happens. Um, and that's the only two choices you're left with. There's really nothing in between. 
That makes so you a- make your own personal choice in terms of how you want to move forward. And I also think it's a matter of your personality because I'm not a person that, you know, gets depressed or stays in one place long enough to worry about things. Um, it becomes, it's part, it has to be part of your personality in terms of that's just what you want to do, what you have to do in life. Well, it seems like you come to a very quickly a place of acceptance. You know, yeah. um, circumstances present themselves. You say, okay, here's my dilemma. You accept it rather than rebel against it or fight it or you, you know what I'm saying yeah. it's like and then you move forward so that's yeah. the that's, other thing that has been really helpful to me is whenever I've had a crisis in my life I've done something to try to help other people with that for example when I was raped a few years later I went to volunteer work at do volunteer work at a rape crisis center when I lost my daughter at Sick Kids Hospital and that's a very famous hospital here in Canada I made a point of working with the doctors for the next few years and going to counsel uh, parents of terminally ill kids from a parent perspective what they're going to go in, get in for, what they're going to feel emotionally, they're going to be tired, what's going to happen to them psychologically. So I did that for a number of years. So I've always tried to give back to the particular issue that I've been dealt with. And in my crazy mind, that's helped me deal with it. Well, I don't think that's so crazy at all. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, that's what helps to heal the situation, doesn't yeah. it, by being yeah. service in the area that has had a tremendous impact on our, our lives. So I think that's quite beautiful, and it's it's really a great suggestion for anyone out there struggling with an issue because it really helps to open up the door if you can't quite see your way through it in the moment. Yeah, yeah. and there's always someone else in worse shape than you are. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah. That's that's true. Uh, you know, I can see your book. Um, I mean, your timing is, is really amazing. It's almost like a, a preordained in a sense because I can see your book being a beacon of light for women and, and your speaking engagements must have been especially empowering in light of the India gang rape um, and the death of that young 23-year-old university student that was yeah. you know, plastered all over the headlines. So how is that for you? What did you come across in your travels? Well, I think that for for one thing, my book was published in India by an Indian uh, new publisher, which uh, was very strange to have happen for a North American book, and I was very pleased with that because much of the book is about my travels to India and what has happened to me there. Um, I think rape in India, um, this is really the first time that it's come out in the open. Uh, the statistics on rape in India are very, very high, but no one really talks about it. And I think now this has brought it to the public eye because this rape was absolutely brutal. Yeah. I mean, they put an iron rod up inside her, and that's why she died, because they basically ruined all of her organs. And so it was a very, very brutal rape, and I think it brought to bear that just what's happened and that people have to start talking about these things. You know, the Indian culture is a very secretive culture, mm-hmm. and for the most part, and people don't talk about bad things, but bad things happen all the time. And it's the same thing as how the gay community is viewed in India. There are numerous I don't know the statistics, but the gay community is alive and well in India, but they have to still hide. Um, They they can't come out in the open the way you can in the States or in North America or other countries. So I think rape, um, this hopefully will bring it to the forefront because it was such a brutal rape, and it hopefully will 
give uh, the government the chance to train the police department because the police department is basically the major obstacle because if a woman goes into the police department in India and says they've been raped, police will have really not pay any attention whatsoever. They'll say it's your fault because you dressed a certain way or you did whatever, blah, blah, blah. So it's like... It's like being back in the 1950s, the way in North America people used to deal with rape. So um, I see it as being, you know, for this young woman, it's very, very sad because she's now passed away. But hopefully it will make some changes. If they put a blind eye to this, I think it's going to be a long-term stamp of just India is in a bad place if unless someone pays attention to this. It's too strong. It's too powerful. It, so I'm hoping is. they do. But the police are the ones where they have to be trained. So it's a whole cultural sensitivity issue that has to be paid a lot of attention to. It's not just the courts. The police, to me, are the first thing that has to be looked at. Well, in addition to the police, though, what is going on in the psyche of men, you know, to... Well, they it's it's... It's, you know, I mean, in India, you know, you're not, you're supposed to not really have sex until you have this arranged marriage situation. Well, let me tell you that Indian men have affairs all the time. Things happen, and they usually like to somehow have affairs with North American women. Um, And so there's a, there's a, it's just very secretive society. You know, it's just yeah. things aren't supposed to happen. And that's one of the major reasons that the publisher wanted my book published because he said, you know, most Indian women are now getting educated. In, you know, they're getting their MAs, they're getting their PhDs, but they have no idea how to live like in the real world because they've always had to go through this cloistered type of situation. Right. So in many ways, the Indian family is strong, and I always say the Indian family is a wonderful institution. But in other ways, there's also this secretive part of it, which is very unhealthy. One of the things that I found very compelling was uh, Sonia Falero wrote an op-ed piece in the Times, I think it was on New Year's Day, and right. it was called The Unspeakable Truth About Rape in India. And I quote, she says, I lived for 24 years in New Delhi, a city where a sexual harassment is as regular as mealtime. Every yeah. day, somewhere in the city, it crosses the line into rape. I mean, this is so disturbing on so many levels. What yeah. What do you think we can do to support you know, change. Everyone here in America, in Canada, women can, you know, and men, what do you think we can do to inspire the government to really not only crack down and and retrain the police, but to kind of shift what's going on, the secrecy that's going on there and, you know, whether it's psychological help or... I think maybe we have to go to our own consul generals. You know, each one of our big cities has an Indian consul general. And I think we need to make our voice clear that, you know, we're here to help and we're here to maybe help in the re-education. We will do whatever we can. So it's like we've gone through this in North America to some degree, so how can we help you go through this in India? Um, So that would be a first level of kind of approach I would use. I mean, every major city, as I said, has an Indian consul general's office. They have someone in the capacity of a a consul general to India. It's a diplomatic position. But that, to me, would be the place to begin. Make a phone call, send a letter, send an email. Um, And if enough happens, then to me it's going to become this mass. But that's that's the only thing you can do, because to write a letter strictly to the Indian government or do whatever, I don't think that's going to help. But we have to start with someone who has some type of North American context. 
uh, some type of experience here. And all of these diplomats, diplomats do. That would be my point of entry. Well, that's a great suggestion, Betty, as well. And one of the things I was thinking about trying to organize, and I've talked to you know several other women about it, is that you know everyone understands numbers today. That's what we all seem yep. to react to. How many clicks do you get? How many visitors do you have? And I thought, boy, it would be so wonderful and tribute to her uh, to light it, just have a simple photograph of a candle, you know, yeah, and absolutely. and send it around and forward it around, you know, eventually ending up in the government over there to show women's support and yeah. men to make this change now. This is totally unacceptable and yeah. so disturbing on, on every level. During, you know, you've been there multiple times, um, you know, for great lengths of time as well. During any of your visits, did you ever feel personally threatened? No, not turned? at all. Not at all. Um but you, but it's always how can I say it? It's like the underbelly of society. Um, it's there, but it's never talked about. It's again, it's like AIDS. It's there, but it's never talked about um, because there's always this kind of family structure that you have to totally adhere to, um, and because it would be perceived as being such a negative and such an awful thing to happen in any any way, people would just put it under the rug. They would hide it under the rug. It just would never, ever come out. It would be so shameful, it would be unbelievable. So if a woman is raped because of the attitude of the police, they would feel it so shameful, they would never go to the police station. Right. And that's the problem, you see. That's why it has to start with the local people. Mm -hmm. Doing it with the government is not going to help it. But if it starts with the local doctors or the local people who will say, yes, go to the police and they're going to help you. But if no one's going to listen to you, you're you're just going to feel shameful and you're not going to go. Exactly. That's what's happening now. Yeah. Well, not only are they in, you know, in physical danger and then getting raped, but then they're yeah. getting rejected on top of that. And then totally. families are being persecuted because of what yeah. happens. So it's like yeah. you're, you know, there's no place to turn. That's really... Yeah. Well, so it's it's a very very sad situation, and hopefully it will change. And I think that any anything that can be done in the world uh, to bring whatever to this is just so important. Bringing awareness is just so very very important in the world today. Well, we have a lot of listeners out there, so if any of you have any ideas or you want to participate in the candle lighting, uh, give me an email. Shoot me an email at the show, and that's go behind the curtain at gmail. Uh, dot com. And yeah, absolutely so, great idea. Let's go back to the book again. So what was yeah. that experience for you, you know, being there at the book launch, you know, talking, touring, huh. seeing women really connect to to your story and what you were sharing? How was that experience for you? Well, the experience was wonderful. I was very fortunate. The Canadian High Commissioner to New Delhi hosted my book launch in New Delhi. Wow. So, which was absolutely wonderful. And uh, it was arranged through the diplomatic corps here, which was lovely. And so there were about 150 people at my book launch, and it was wonderful. We had a wonderful time. And, and, um, People ask me, you know, all kinds of questions about what I still wanted to do in my life, and my answer was, I'm too old now, but I still wanted to fly a plane or drive a Harley. <laughs> so those are my two things I still wanted to do. But in terms of the speaking, I spoke to uh, a number of organizations. Usually I spoke to a couple of convocation classes and graduation classes. And when I did, the women were very, very moved about, they called my book 
very honest and very brave that I had put all this in the book. And they used to come up to me after and, and just talk to me and say, you know, you're so brave to do this, and this has happened to me, but, you know, I didn't know what to do with it. And this was other things too, not just the rape, but this is other things that have happened in my life. And I didn't know how I could talk about this, and this is so brave that you've done this, and you've given me kind of the, the power inside to feel that it's okay to talk about this. And um, and when I was interviewed by a couple of journalists who called for the Times of India, the same thing, it was this honesty and that if you know talking about relationships that haven't gone well and people that have died and you know a mother being schizophrenic and what that meant and having to go out to work uh when i was very very young and what all that meant and so i think it as i said it showed people that you don't have to get stuck in your life in any way so the reaction was very very good but i think the reaction was very strong for women between 30 and 45 i think the women my age, um, it was like, what is she doing this for? Why would she ever bare her soul and tell everyone her life, okay? Uh-huh. So I think there's two different streams going yeah. on. Yeah. So I'd rather deal with the 30 to 45-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. You're, it's such a secret of society, so it's understandable. Right. They would never conceive, you know, right. doing what right. you're doing. But Absolutely. were there any young uh well, I guess, you know, that would be tough to do to, you know, to speak to anyone younger, children. Uh, yes. I mean, I was speaking to kids that were in their early, early 20s, and I had mm-hmm. exactly the same reaction. Yeah. Um, they were very, um, they just really wanted to talk about stuff. They really wanted to come up and say, gee, you know, this happened to me, and boy, it's so great that you talked about it, and I've never talked about it. And some of them had tears in their eyes, Kathy. It was quite lovely. So this is why I hope to get back to India to do some more speaking because um, the book, you know, hasn't gotten out here at all, and I'm not too sure it will unless people know about it just because it has been done by an Indian publisher. Well, let me just remind everyone, please go to Amazon.com. The name of the book is My Way. It is the life story of Betty Steinhauer. She's still not done yet, though. (laughs) <laughs> no, no. There's a lot more coming our way. Uh, this yeah. is just the first chapter, if you will. Um, but it's really a great book. I've read it myself. And it is really, I mean, you should be commended because you did really open up all all of your life to people. And yep. without hesitation, without, you know, picking out this event or that event and, and saying, oh, well, I'll tell them this, I won't tell them that. You really lay everything out on the line. And that is really what people connect to the most is that truth and honesty in who we are. You know, the. Thank you. Uh, so I really admire it. Uh, what you did. It's very courageous as well. So what has this whole experience, the whole process of writing the book and seeing it launched and touring, hmm. what have you learned from that? What have you taken away? I guess I've, I guess I just feel totally free. Hmm. I guess I don't feel any kind of things that are binding me at all. I feel like a totally free, independent person because there's no secrets anymore. It's all out there. Um, and it's amazing to feel that freedom and to feel that it's okay, that uh, you may not agree with my life. I've certainly made a lot of mistakes. Um, I've certainly been looking for my white knight forever and I've gone through a few white nights. And, 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 but all that is okay. And that's what I feel now, that it's, it's my personal journey, it's my life, it may not be somebody else's, 
but um, it's given me a sense of real freedom, oh, I which is that. quite lovely. I really love that, Betty. That's so yeah. beautiful to hear, and uh, and it makes a lot of sense because you know it it's also getting it out of your soul onto the page. Other yep. people are benefiting from it, and like you say, it just frees you up to move on and you know fill up with other things in your life. Yeah, you know? it's yep. the beauty in our imperfections, isn't it? You know, that, yes, that real call to people Absolutely. that people really connect to. So, okay, you are always going a 1,000 miles an hour. I don't know how you do what you do. It, it just always uh, inspires me. But now you come back. You've been in India. How long were you there? Four months? Three and a half months, yeah. Three and a half months. Long yeah. time. So yeah. you come back, and I, got, I get this email from you, you know, just we're confirming the show. Everything's going great in your life, but you return home. You're crossing the street with a full day's agenda. You know, I think you mentioned you had a black tie affair to go to. You were all dressed up, and you're thinking, God, my life is spectacular. Share with the listeners what happened just a few weeks ago. Uh, I was just leaving my doctor's office, and I just got the results of all of my tests because I always get tested for everything when I come back from India, and I was perfectly fine, and I was walking up the street, and I was happy and saying, boy, I'm so lucky, and a car came around the corner and hit me as I was crossing the street. And I don't remember the accident at all. Apparently it was a Land Rover. She hit me. Uh, She was charged with careless driving. I ended up in the hospital for a day. I don't remember anything except waking up in the ambulance with a collar on my neck and on a board and asking the doctor, paramedic, if I can go out for dinner that night. He looked at me and said, are you crazy, lady? So I spent the day in the hospital having all the tests. Uh, so far, I seem to be fine. I had staples. I have a great big gouge in my in my skull. Well, in, basically, in my brain, it's got to my head. And so the staples and, and stitches are out now, but that's still healing. And I'm going to the chiropractor four times a week to uh, move around. But I'm relatively fine. Uh, but you just never know in this world because it just came right out of the blue. And as I said, I don't remember anything. Uh, That part of the accident is just totally blocked from my mind. And all I remember is putting up my hands and seeing a car very close. And after that, I don't remember a thing. Well, first of all, thank God. Thank God you're alive and in in one piece. I'm here. (laughs) And that's all wonderful. What a horrible thing to happen. But um, And to all that are listening, the driver was texting at the time. Yes. So I just want to say that this is like totally inexcusable for any of us to be texting or having phone conversations, long phone conversations while we are driving. We put ourselves in danger and risk hurting other people. And so please, for God's sake, we have enough problems in this world. This we can control. All we have to do is make a commitment to not speak on our phones or text while we're driving. Yeah. It's really yeah. simple, and we can save a life, many lives by doing that. So I feel very fortunate that I'm in good shape as I am. Hopefully it stays that way. I, You know, you don't know. You'll have to wait for a while to see what happens. But uh, as I said, I don't remember a thing. But I had good witnesses there, so people saw it. People have talked to the police. So I'm feeling fortunate on a number of levels so we'll just see as the future goes on the only thing that's holding me back from is making plans this year because i had great plans to do a lot more traveling this year but i don't know because i may have to stay around for court dates whatever so we shall see 
So uh, in addition, was this traveling for fun, or, or were you creating um, some other? No, what I was hoping to do this year was uh, do some speaking about my book in India mm-hmm. and be, and really look at becoming maybe a motivational speaker um, and looking at doing that in a serious way. So I was looking at that aspect and uh, also beginning to travel to some parts of the world where I might want to spend more time mm-hmm. um, in my elder years uh, where I could find more sun than you can in Canada. <laughs> well, let me and know where looking, that is. Yeah, well, I was looking at <laughs> Croatia and things like that because apparently uh-huh. they're really neat. And the other place in India, which I love, is Goa. Mm. And Goa just has a very nice vibe and a very nice place to stay. So, you know, so all this is going on, but right now I'm dealing with chiropractors and doctors and lawyers and well, a lesson to all of us, see, it just that's just the way life goes. One day yep. everything's perfect, the next day you can be hit by a car or another life obstacle that's going to come your way and do what Betty does. She just kind of gets up and keeps moving through it, faces the challenge, accepts it, and looks for an opportunity to overcome it. So I want to thank Betty Steinhauer for being with us today. Again, the name of her book is My Way. You can purchase it by going to Amazon. Dot com And uh, Betty, we wish you the best of luck. So grateful that you were here today, that you're so far so good, feeling well, and wish you much success with the book and hope to see you here in America speaking about it. Okay. Thank you very much, Kathy. I really appreciate it. And to your audience, um, it, it's just wonderful you're all there. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye now. My wish to everybody for this week is that we all slow down. Let's take deep breaths and relax. Relaxation is becoming like an expensive luxury item these days, and that is posing a real threat to our well-being. So do something unexpected and nice for yourself today. Even if you don't have a second to spare, just give yourself the freedom to smile. We will be off for a few weeks, so I hope you'll take the time to listen to some of the archive shows while I'm on hiatus. It's been a pleasure to be with you today. This is Kathy Barrett sending you a virtual hug. I'll be back, so don't forget to tune into Behind the Curtain. Peace, everybody. 